Hey, it's Kevin Lawton here, and before we get into this episode, I am excited to announce that the new warehouse has entered into a partnership with Material Handling Wholesaler Magazine. Through the partnership, we'll be bringing you a podcast each month based on Material Handling Wholesaler's cover story, and this episode is the first in the partnership and pairs with the June issue, which is the annual safety issue. So stay safe and be sure to check out mhwmag.com for this month's issue, and now stay tuned for the episode. The New Warehouse Podcast, hosted by Kevin Lawton, is your source for insights and ideas from the distribution, transportation, and logistics industry. A new episode every Monday morning brings you the latest from industry experts and thought leaders. And now, here's Kevin. Hey, it's Kevin Lawton with the New Warehouse Podcast coming at you with a new episode. Today on the show, I'm going to have Brian Feehan. He is the president at Industrial Truck Association, and he's going to talk to us about what is Industrial Truck Association, what is it that they do, um, who are the members, and who should be a member. Um, He's also going to talk to us about National Forklift Safety Day, which is coming up this June on June 9th, and it's going to be a virtual event that they're holding this year due to all of the craziness going on with the pandemic. But he's going to tell us what National Forklift Safety Day is, the importance of it, and also talk to us a little more about forklift safety and training as well. So, Brian, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing great, Kevin. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to be with you today. Definitely. Thanks for uh, joining me. I'm happy that we could uh, get together, discuss the Industrial Truck Association, and also talk about safety, uh, which is really, really important, especially in uh, anything involving forklifts or moving equipment. Safety is definitely number one. So why don't you give us a little bit of a background on what Industrial Truck Association is and what it is that you guys do? Sure. So the Industrial Truck Association, or as we refer to it as the ITA, it's the trade association representing the manufacturers of powered industrial trucks or forklifts, Mm -hmm. uh, the component suppliers and associate manufacturers of other equipment in Canada, Mexico, and the United States. ITAs, uh, we have 26 regular members, which are the manufacturers of forklifts or powered industrial trucks, and about 35 associate member companies which are the component manufacturers and attachments for power industrial trucks manufactured in the United States. Our organization really comes down to four main components. Um, We have an engineering committee. We have a statistics committee. We have a lawyer's committee. And we have a supplier's committee. And all of those committees work uh, together in certain times as well as independently. Mm -hmm. Obviously, our general engineering committee works on the development of recommended practices, as well as safety information, industry issues, not necessarily company-specific issues. Okay. Our statistics program, it's a very sophisticated statistics program. It's where all of our manufacturers input on a regular systematic basis, uh, units sold and shipped, factory orders and factory shipments into our secure database system. We then, in turn, aggregate that data and supply it back out to our regular members so that they have a better sense of the direction in which the industry is going. 
not only from a unit sale perspective, but then segmented down by class. So it really gets into some of the details that enables the manufacturers to make better informed decisions about the direction that the market's going in the future. Okay, that's great. Really interesting stuff. And the so it sounds like you guys are really kind of uh, a partner to the industry to allow them to have clear data, more visibility to what's going on in the industry as a whole, like you said, to make better decisions. And obviously you can make the best decisions with as much data as possible. Data can always lead you to a better informed decision. Um, so you talked about it's a membership association. So tell us, I guess, um, maybe some of the members that are in the association and also, you know, who, who should be a member if somebody out there is listening and they're wondering if they should be a member of the association. Well, uh, membership eligibility is for companies that are involved in the forklift-powered industrial truck industry, okay. either through being the manufacturer and having to be in business for at least three years in uh, North America, or the component or supplier parts industry supplying components for the manufacturers of the powered industrial trucks. So that is kind of the eligibility requirements for being a member. Now, who are the current members? Our 25 or so regular manufacturers supply just about 90% of North American forklift sales, so Canada, Mexico, and the United States. And it's made up of our executive committee and our board of directors. So every manufacturer that is a member of the ITA has a seat on our board of directors who then in turn elect an executive committee that helps steer the policies and directions of the organization. And right now, our executive committee is made up of Heister Yale, Toyota, Crown, and Mitsubishi Caterpillar. The other members of the association include Doosan, Clark, um, all of the major manufacturers, Keon, that are visible in the marketplace today. Okay, so pretty much any forklift that you would see out there is sounds like they're definitely involved, and we've had some of those on the show before as well. Um, yeah. All right, so really interesting stuff, and it, it sounds like you guys are really doing good stuff to help them move the industry forward as well. And as we know, you know, distribution centers and manufacturing facilities and applications for powered industrial trucks and forklifts is growing and growing rapidly as demand for fulfillment grows as well. So, so. You know, one of the most important things, obviously, when we look at powered industrial trucks, I mentioned in the beginning of the show, is is safety. And so I heard a National Forklift Safety Day previously, um, and you guys actually started that. So tell us about how the idea of National Forklift Safety Day came about and what is the significance for the industry? Well, safety is paramount to our industry. It has always been and continues to be. So we were at a meeting, I think, with the executive committee several years ago, and we were talking about safety and, you know, we've been trending in a very positive direction in terms of reducing injuries and accidents with regards to the forklifts in operation. But we also wanted to recognize how can we continue to pursue driving the message of operator training and how important operator training is to the safety of the overall business and industry and warehouse facilities, end user communities, everybody that's involved in operating a forklift. Mm-hmm. And so the concept of the National Forklift Safety Day was developed, and it's really it's a great opportunity for all of the people that are involved in the industry to get together to unite behind safety, where 
individuals take off their company hats and they put on their industry hats to support the message of operator training is paramount to the success and safety of any program. So that was kind of the genesis of it. And we decided that we would have it to coincide with uh, National Safety Month, which is during the month of June. We selected the second Tuesday of June. So every year, National Forklift Safety Day would be held on the second Tuesday in June. This year, as you mentioned earlier, is June 9th. So, you know, that's kind of the genesis behind it. The, uh, the really the drivers, we started off and um, we uh, have always developed this to be an awareness style campaign. So we track the amount of media exposure we've been getting over the years. And the first year, I think we had someplace around 15 or 20 million uh, in circulations, publications supporting National Forklift Safety Day. And last year, we were just above 85, almost 90 million. So certainly the message is getting out there, uh, but we always strive to uh, improve upon previous year's efforts. Definitely. I mean, that's, that's great success there, getting that circulation out there and just increasing the awareness like that. And I think that's really, really important. As we both said, I mean, safety is the most important thing, right? And, you know, creating more awareness, I don't think you could ever create too much awareness around safety, right? I mean, when it comes to safety, I think being excessive is the best route. So what can people actually expect from this year's National Forklift Safety Day? I know the format's going to be a little different because it's going to be, there's going to be a virtual event based on everything that's going on. So, so tell us a little bit about what we can expect and what people can uh, find at the event this year. Yes, well, that's right. It's going to be a virtual event this year. Obviously, COVID-19 is restricting travel and meeting and those types of things. So In previous years, we've always gathered in Washington, D.C. as a group where we would put together a panel of industry representatives, government experts, and safety experts who would get up and make presentations and with PowerPoint slides and inform us on some of the latest and greatest areas of safety and developments of safety. And and then this year, we're going to actually have a same format, but it's just going to be done in virtual fashion. Okay. So we've got a really good lineup. We've got a, we'll hear from the ITA chairman of the board, Jay Gessler from Mitsubishi Caterpillar Forklift North America. We'll also hear from Lauren Sweat, who is the deputy assistant director at the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, OSHA. We're also going to hear from a safety expert, Chuck Leon, from Workplace Safety and Prevention Services in Canada, which is a not profit organization committed to protecting workers and businesses. Um, He's been in the safety business for a very long time. And we're also going to hear from Scott Bixler with Aerotech, which is a very well-known and large temporary staffing organization. There are a lot of temporary staff people that operate forklifts. And we're also going to hear from Chuck Moratz, who's the Senior Vice President of Engineering at Clark Material Handling, who is serving as National Forklift Safety Day chairman this year, and um, he's going to provide us with uh, an overview on the industry and some of the safety practices that they currently uh, have been employing uh, and will continue to employ over the year. So it will be held virtual. It's going to start at 9 a.m. on June 9th, and you can log on to the ITA's website, which is ita.org or on DC Velocity's website, dcvelocity.com. Okay, great. And looking forward to that. And I like that you're going to have someone there speaking about pedestrian safety as well, because part of forklift safety, 
you know, people, obviously we say forklift and people are thinking about the person driving the forklift being safe, but there's also responsibility on the pedestrian to be safe as well, especially as we look at some cases where forklifts have certain blind spots due to the way that they're built out of necessity. Um, so it's important for pedestrians as well to be aware of the machinery that's around them and make sure that, you know, they are being safe too and taking the right practices as well. So I think that's, I think it's really important that you guys are having that. And I wanted to just call that out and highlight that. So, you know, as we talk about forklift safety and continued training and the importance of it, how, and you talked about, you know, the increased awareness of the national forklift safety day, uh, talk to us a little bit about how, safety and continued training has kind of changed and the, I guess, perception and the importance of it has grown over the years, um, just in general, and also due to the Industrial Truck Association's efforts. And how often is that kind of safety and training procedures and, I guess, uh, expectations? How, How often is that changing and how important is it to continuously revisit that as a as a company that has forklifts so operator training has been a very important component to the industry in terms of reducing injuries and accidents over the years and it really can point back to the adoption with the OSHA for the operator training rule that went into a place in 1998 okay. the ITA was uh, one of the main trade organizations at the time that was advocating and working closely with OSHA to get them to adopt that rule. And ever since that rule went into place, requiring the training of operators, you can see uh, on a ch- how many incidences and accidents have decreased over the years as the number of people trained to operate forklifts has grown, but also at the same time, looking at the number of units in operation has increased the number of incidents and accidents have decreased. Good. So that really, it's the evidence supports the, the rule that OSHA put into place back in 1998. And uh, that's one of the reasons why we continue to push the need for operator training because we do know how effective it is to keep a safe work environment. Definitely. And I definitely echo that. I mean, it's, it's really, really important, I think, to focus on safety. And, uh, you know, that's what we've been saying here. And uh, it's really important to continue continue that training as well and not just, you know, training once, but making sure that the training is continued. And if there's any kind of safety things that are changed or there's new protocols or anything put in place, even just to revisit that training uh, every so often is really important as well. So it's important that you guys uh, at the ITA are pushing for that and advocating for that and making sure that people are aware of how to do that. So um, definitely kudos to you guys for that. Um, so when we talk about safety and, you know, we talk about safety changing at some points, you know, protocols may change a little bit. Um, we may see also improvements in technology or technology that is improved that requires additional safety measures as well. Um, right now, we're kind of in an unprecedented time, right, with the pandemic and COVID-19. Um, and obviously, you know, critical infrastructure, a lot of critical infrastructure is driven by PIT operation, right? Uh, when we talk about fulfillment, we talk about any kind of any kind of product that needs to be moved, there's probably a forklift or a powered industrial truck involved somewhere at some point. So how is safety changing kind of during this pandemic? How have you guys seen 
uh, a shift in the way people are being safe? Is there different measures being taken in terms of, I guess, caring for the equipment? Um, and how do you kind of see maybe the change continuing uh, or changing even more uh, in the future after the pandemic? We'll be back after a quick break. What's the new warehouse without a warehouse? I'm excited to let you know that we have expanded our 3PL fulfillment services beyond our micro fulfillment center. We can now handle all levels of e-commerce fulfillment needs, as well as transportation, B2B distribution, FBA prep, and much more. Thanks to our partnership with Xperia Global, we can service you from the port to the customer's porch. Reach out to me directly at kevin at thenewwarehouse.com for all your fulfillment and logistics needs. Well, you're right. I mean, the powered industrial truck industry and the products are essential to moving goods and services and making sure that the food supply and everything throughout the supply chain is moved and handled properly and can get to the locations that require it. You know, we, we often ask if you could look around the room and challenge somebody to look around the room to say, can you see something in here that has not been touched by a piece of material handling equipment at some point in time during its life? And it's, it'd be hard pressed to find anything that's actually has not been touched by a piece of material handling equipment. So we were, we've been lucky to be uh, recognized as an essential service through Department of Homeland Security's CISA. And we've also been trying to work closely with the various governors across many of the states to ensure that um, we are as, as well recognized as essential services because, as you know, the federal regulations, or I should say the federal guidelines, are simply guidelines, and it's up to each state to adopt their own policies, practices, and procedures. Right. So it comes down to the state and as well as the county level. So we've been uh, fortunate to be operating throughout the entire time with COVID-19, and it is unprecedented time for all of us. And as far as business practices are concerned, of course, we're all adhering to uh, the various CDC requirements as well as the FEMA requirements from a manufacturing perspective, as well as those additional steps manufacturers may include in their own operations across the country. As far as uh, the rest of the business operations are concerned, you know, I think it's going to be individual company by company and how and when they continue any particular new changes that they may be occurring. Uh, I know that everybody is, um, safety is paramount and remains paramount uh, as well, not only for their own employees, but also for their customer base. And I think that it's going to be an involving practice as we continue to, uh, to learn something new every single day. We have new information coming about, uh, out about this awful uh, virus that we're all confronting. But fortunately, I think that we're starting to learn how to manage it, and we're starting to learn how to manage it well, and I believe that that will continue. And so we will be developing some best practices, or at least what we've learned to be working, and hopefully if once that happens, we'll be able to advocate or at least educate others on what those best practices are so that we can uh, return to a normal work environment and get this economy back in operation. Definitely. Yeah. And I agree with you about, you know, how it's constantly changing and, but I definitely agree that I think we're getting to a point where we're learning how to manage the situation properly and being able to kind of operate around that in a sense. Um, so 
So additionally to COVID-19, obviously we've kind of changed our um, safety routines in a way and just the way we do things overall because of social distancing and you know making sure that things are properly sanitized and things of that nature. But one of the other things that's happened too as people have remained home is there's been a shift in consumer behavior, right? Which has actually been more of a spike on uh, some businesses that are heavily uh, PIT involved, like uh, distribution and filming and grocery. Um, so, you know, with that shift, do you think that the pandemic is actually going to create higher demand for PITs in the marketplace? And do you think that because of this higher demand on fulfillment centers, are we going to see an increased, um, I guess, purchase from companies that are looking to utilize more PITs to be able to fill this higher demand and reach their customer service level agreements? Well, that's an excellent question. To be honest with you, I don't think anybody really knows the complete answer to that yet because, mm. again, we are working in such an environment that is rapidly changing. We do know, obviously, everybody knows that warehouse and fulfillment operations of e-commerce and, and other like businesses has been working extremely long days and hours and really um, delivering, you know, to the citizens what they need from a, just a living perspective. So does that continue to be the same pace moving forward? I, I don't know. It really depends on what the rest of the economy looks like. I remember earlier this year in January, I was at a meeting. We were talking about how much commerce is actually done through e-commerce, and there's varying numbers out there. Mm-hmm. But it could be anywhere from 15 to 21 percent. Now that was back. That's January, which feels like years ago right now. Yeah. But I, I would suspect that that number is going to be an awful lot higher if you were to measure that today. Will that remain? Well, 15 to 20 percent of e-commerce back in January is. Is that the actual number? And if so, I would suspect or argue that that still had runway or room to grow without a COVID-19 situation over the next several years. Will this COVID-19 accelerate that path towards that direction? Uh, will, will that have been the direction to begin with? I, I just think it's really it's too early to tell, to be honest with you. And as soon as we do open up the country and get some of the other parts of the economy back in operation, uh, I think the big question is, is how fast would those that types of the economy or parts of the economy come back into operation? And when they do, what is going to be the real level of demand? And I think it's really going to come down to the confidence of people. And if people are confident that they can go back out into society and, and perform their daily functions as they, as they have in the past, then I believe that we're going to see a, a nice recovery. This question will be speed. And and I think it will be about the confidence of people getting back into the side. Definitely. I think you have some really good points there. And I think, you know, it is, it is kind of a little too soon, I think, as you mentioned in listening to you, that, you know, we can try to see, you know, how will consumer behavior shift and remain. But I think, you know, it is important that we get people at a comfort level where they do feel they can go about their normal routine. So, so definitely be interesting to see how that progresses and see how things kind of affect um, the industry as a whole, Um, not just from a PIT perspective, but just overall in general. Um, So, you know, it's really, really interesting um, discussion with you today. And before we wrap up, I do want to ask you, um, we've been talking about safety so much, right, which is such a big part of this. And obviously we're 
promoting National Forklift Safety Day here. So I want to ask you, you know, what what is your number one safety tip uh, when it comes to PIT? Operator training. All right. With the amount of with the amount of technology and with all of the other new innovations that the industry is constantly at the forefront of developing and promoting and implementing, all of those things can never substitute the need for operator training. And so we, we design and build trucks that are safety, inherent safety components throughout them, but you can never supplement or replace uh, the need for hands-on operator training. Okay, definitely. And I definitely will echo that. And um, I agree with you. I think training is the basis um, because you need to train. I mean, you need to train just basically what your, what your safety rules are in the first place too. So uh, starting with that and then training, making sure people are operating the equipment effectively and the right way um, is also a big deal too. So really appreciate that tip. And uh, Brian, how can people find out more information about the ITA? The best way would be to go to our website, www.indtrk.org. And don't forget, log on June 9th at 9 a.m. East Coast time is when we will launch National Forklift Safety Day 2020. Okay, great. And we'll definitely post all that information on the newwarehouse.com as well. So, Brian, thank you again for coming on the show and uh, stay safe. You've been listening to the New Warehouse Podcast with Kevin Lawton. Subscribe and check us out online at thenewwarehouse.com. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you want more content from the New Warehouse, check out our new video series called All Hands on LinkedIn. Just search for the New Warehouse on LinkedIn and follow along.